Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Thursday, March 9th, 2023. This is edition number 44 of season uh, 8 as we continue our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we come to paragraph 1, the second half of paragraph 1. Before we do that, uh, let me just give you some housekeeping items that I do from time to time. If you would like to find out more information about the church, you can go to our website. That information will be available at the conclusion of this devotional. Additionally, I have a my own personal website that I write on quite often and have various projects that I'm working on. Uh, those things are all free. Those resources are available to you. If you'd like to use them, avail yourself of them. If they will help you in some way, uh, please use them. Uh, again, that information will be available to you at the conclusion of this video. Let's pray first, and then we'll consider uh, the second half of uh, chapter 8, paragraph 1 of Christ the Mediator. Let's pray. Father, as we now come again to your word, and we come to these very important truths about your Son, we ask that we would see something of his glory, his labor, his work for us we pray, Lord, that it would humble us as we seek to walk with you, and we ask that you'd forgive us for the ways in which we have strayed from your commands. We thank you that you are a God who delights in the forgiveness of sin, and we know that you are just to forgive us as we humble ourselves. And so we pray, uh, Lord, that you would give us your spirit now, that we would understand the things of your word. Teach us by your word, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come uh, again to paragraph one as we've be, uh, started looking at matters related to Christ the Mediator. This is chapter eight. It falls uh, here in the confession deliberately and intentionally because we have considered the matters related to sin, the fall of man into sin, and now we see here uh, um, the solution uh, in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read paragraph one, and then we're going to just consider the second half of the paragraph um, uh, together uh, uh, today. Paragraph one of chapter eight, it pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of his church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called justified, sanctified, and glorified. We've considered matters related to how God in his eternal purpose and the fullness of time gave, uh, brought the Lord Jesus Christ into our time and space. This is not to say, of course, that uh, Christ, the Son of God, had a beginning. He did not. He is uh, co-eternal. Uh, with the Father, he has always been and always will be God. Uh, but he has not always had uh, a human body. He has not always had flesh. And so he took that to himself. He added that to his own, uh, to himself, one person, two natures. We're going to see that later in this very chapter. And he has come to be the mediator between God and man. And I've noted already that there is only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He uh, he accomplishes in his work the threefold offices that we've noted as prophet, priest, and king. I mentioned in yesterday's edition that those offices were held distinctly by different people throughout the course of God's uh, work of redemption, his, the historical redemptive acts across the canon of the Bible. 
We saw in uh, Moses, a prophet. We saw the prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah. We see in David, the king. We see in Aaron, the high priest. But those were all separate individuals. But Christ unites all three offices under one head. He is the quintessential prophet, priest, and king. He declares his word to us by his spirit. He sacrificed himself for us that we might be forgiven of our sin. And he is the one who rules and judges and um, uh, restrains his and our enemies. Today we come to matters related to him being the judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed. That is to say that the Father gave to him from all eternity a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. Now, the confession is setting us up here because the chapters that follow chapter 8 will deal with matters related to the effectual call, matters of justification, sanctification, and so forth. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on those things, but let's begin looking at this matter related to Christ being uh, the judge of the world. First, um, let me back up to the phrase, I left this out, uh, the phrase that he is the heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us, well, let's just back up verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now there we see that office of prophet given to the Son as the final prophet of God who reveals the will of God to us. But we also note that he is the heir the heir of all things. One, <coughs> excuse me, one commentator puts it this way, the Son's supremacy will be displayed at the end of history for all things were created for him. Colossians 1.16. He is the firstborn, verse 6 of this chapter, the preeminent heir whose enemies will be put under his feet. Verse 13, citing from Psalm 110. As God's adopted sons through Jesus, we too are heirs. Uh, because we are united uh, indeed to him. And so all that he has, we have, we are, has been given to us, and we will enjoy those things throughout all eternity. But all things have been given to him. All power, all authority has been granted to the Son by virtue of his work and labor on our behalf. He is the judge of the world. Uh, Acts chapter 17 and in verse uh, 31 if you're wondering where I'm getting these references from, I've said this before, but I'm simply using the proof text that the Westminster Divines placed in the Confession um, to further help us understand their statements. But Acts 17.31, Because he has fixed a day on which he, that is Christ, will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. So the he, I misspoke, he is God, has fixed a day on which he, Christ, will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the judge of all things. And he will judge in righteousness and in holiness. Now like the judges of our world today, we, we look and we see and sometimes we're befuddled and bewildered by re, uh, verdicts that are rendered by judges but let's remember that these judges uh, do the best they can. In most cases, they are but men. And so, as a result, they are fallible and they do fail. But this judge, the judge of all the earth, will not fail. He will judge in perfect righteousness, perfect holiness over all things. 
And so that for a Christian should give us great hope and comfort that the wicked and the evil of this world are not getting away with any matter of a thing and nothing is being ignored, but they will indeed be held accountable uh, for, those, for those actions. As the righteous king who will judge the world, those things will be indeed handled. Now, God has judged us, but he has judged us in his Son. And so as we look and see that we indeed deserve the just and righteous judgment of God, that was poured out on Christ, the mediator. And that's where we go when we move on in, in the paragraph, unto whom he did, that is the Father, gave, he did from all eternity, give a people to be his seed. John 17 and verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now this is Jesus' high priestly prayer, again, accentuating um, the priesthood of Christ. He is praying for his people, <clears throat> and he refers to them as um, those that the Father has given uh, to him. Now this harkens us back to Genesis 3.15, uh, in uh, which we know uh, by now, I think, if you've been following through this um, devotional at any length, you know that um, the Bible is really mu very much a commentary on the singular verse in Scripture, but we read there, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so the seed of the woman is from where the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And his mission, of course, is to do the will of the Father and to crush the head of the serpent, and he's done that. And as God is covenanted with his Son to give to him a people, we are his people as we believe that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin by faith. And so the Father has given to him a seed, given to him offspring, given to him a people uh, that are called by his own name. And as a result, these people are indeed in time, and it's very much an important uh, 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 statement there, that in time these people are called by God to be redeemed, justi uh, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. So this covers the entire spectrum of history. And so all those that have lived before us, that know the Lord Jesus Christ, they were called in that time to be these things that the confession mentions. Those that are currently living, that have come to faith in Christ, or will come to faith in Christ, again, called in time according to God's holy purpose and plan, and then those in the future. And we have these things that is listed for us, redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. Five items that are mentioned, we're not going to deal with them at any length, because we will deal with them in their proper place in the confession. But let me just read um, uh, uh, just one verse from Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 30 um, that highlights for us this very, this very point. In Romans 8 and verse uh, 30, there we read, And those whom he predestined, predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he, justified, he also glorified. So these are the benefits that we receive as the seed that is given to the Son, the Mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so, 
He is indeed the heir of all things. He is the judge of the world. And he is the head of the church. And he is the one to whom then a seed has been promised. And the benefits then uh, given uh, to that seed that has been promised uh, to him. And so these things, in summary, tell us much of who our Savior is and what he has come to do and what he has come to accomplish. And it should invoke in us then adoration and worship of all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. There's much here to think, think about and meditate on. I'd encourage you to do that as you uh, continue to think and stir up, the effect, stir up affections in your heart for uh, Christ the Mediator, your Lord and your Savior. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the uh, Friday edition, when we start looking at paragraph number two of chapter eight, may the Lord help you today. May you walk in his ways. May you do all that he has told you. God bless.